Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is Vin here with Z and Peace and Caitlin. So we got a full house. Uh, We've got a pretty interesting discussion today. We've been talking a bit backstage about living your truth. And Z, this is always interesting to me. I think this came up. We had a conversation the other day. I'd mentioned a friend of mine who's tuned into our podcast, who's listened to all the crazy ass shit that you say and all the stories and adventures that you've had from the music business to training with people who practice uh, snake fighting uh, to going and spending time in India after the tsunami in Sri Lanka. And listening to all of this, he said to me, you know, this guy Z, he's either full of shit or he's the most interesting person who's ever existed. And so we had a good laugh about that. And as we started talking about it, you were saying to me, you know, this is just stuff that I've done and other people might find it interesting. But to me, it's just me. This was my life. I did it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to better myself. I wanted to uplift other people. And doing that has certain rewards. So you were never in it to make a name for yourself or to make a lot of money. And there were opportunities you had where you could have made millions many, many times over, but you decided not to because someone wanted you to dress up as uh, an African native and play the drums or something like that. And you didn't want to do it. So you didn't want to sell your soul for the material reward. And in exchange for that, you get a different kind of reward. Uh, There's a certain spiritual reward. There's a coherence of character. There's a certain integrity that you maintain. There's just a richness of experience uh, when you think about all of the adventures that you've had, all the people you've met, the love in your life, which my friend pointed to. Uh, And that's a trade-off that you've made, uh, but you've always lived your truth. And so as we're talking about this, we're getting into what does that truth mean for different people? Because we're at this interesting time. We're in a world that doesn't really have a strong foundation. There isn't strong character And a lot of people don't know what their truth is. They don't know what their foundation is. They either follow along with what whatever society tells them to do, whatever we see other people doing, we walk in that same direction, or we measure ourselves based on standards that are readily available. Uh, So it's not so much about whether my life provides me intrinsic satisfaction. It's more if I look at a scorecard, and that scorecard includes the number of homes that I own, the type of car that I drive, the neighborhood that I live in, the title that I have, the amount of money that I make. Those are things that I can quantify. Those are things that I can put on display. And they're proxies for a life well lived. So I can go to people, I can talk in cocktail parties, I can show all these trophies that I've accumulated, and I can feel pretty good about myself. Uh, The problem is that that doesn't work. So even if you have all of that stuff, unless it correlates with something intrinsic. So if it correlates with activities uh, that nurture your soul, that nourish your intellect, that unleash your passion, it's kind of like, what are you doing? You can collect all these titles. You can have all the money in the world. For what? It, It doesn't improve the quality of the moments that you have. And at the end of the day, as we've talked about, life is just 
a very short collection of moments. It goes by faster than we would think. So it's important to be able to live your truth and before living that truth, know what that truth is, because that's really what's going to give meaning to life. And we've talked about this in my context, because I've gone through a transition and I've gone from living one sort of a life to living that life, but also living another life. So I've got the corporate life, but now I've also got the spoken word and the music project uh, that I've been working on. And it's a bit of a transition from one to another. And it's interesting for me when I just reflect on my journey that I don't think I ever knew what my truth was. And as we were talking about earlier, you sensed that something was off the first time you met me. So you kindly put it as the first time you meet Vin, you would think that something was about to explode, uh, that he might kill a lot of people or murder a bunch of people on a, on a subway or a train because there was so much that was just stuffed inside. And I guess I'd always felt that, but I never knew what the problem was. I never knew it was because I was living a life that wasn't a bad life, but it didn't really provide an outlet for the things that I care about. And I always convinced myself that certain things were important to me because I thought that they had to be, uh, instead of really asking myself, what's fundamental, what resonates with me, uh, what do I believe in? And as I've started to do that, my activities have changed, my focus has changed. I've now got that foundation. So now that I know what that truth is, or at least have a clearer picture of it, I can start living it and I'm moving in that direction. So maybe when we think about today's conversation of living your truth, perhaps it's those two aspects and we might want to talk about each one separately, Z. But number one, it's it's unraveling what that truth is. I mean, how do we even find out what's important to us when there's so many layers that we suffer under, uh, there's so many restrictions and conditions and social niceties that we follow. A lot of us have just lost touch with who we are, what we care about, what resonates, what's fundamental to us. Uh, so question number one is how do we find that truth? And number two is once we've found it, you know, it's great if we find it at the age of 18 and we can go and live it. But let's say we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, we've got obligations, we've got roots, uh, we have to take care of families, uh, we've got friends. Uh, there's just a lot of, uh, I don't want to use the word baggage, but it, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure in place to keep us in an existing mode, uh, to maintain an existing life. And if suddenly we find, okay, I thought I was living my truth or I never considered it. And now I know what my truth is. I know what I have to do. How do we go about making that shift without completely blowing up what, what we have in place? And especially if we have obligations or we have other people who are relying on us, how do we manage that? How do we walk that line? So that's where I want to start, Z. And I'll just open it up. Uh, give us your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I'm going to share that and open the floor up to as I speak to peace also what I would would share with 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 our folks that, that listen is that when I go back to philosophy when it comes to the truth as they say in the Vedas the truth is a deep lake and few people wish to explore its unknown and perilous depths most would rather remain on its pristine and comfortable shores they'd rather walk the edge of that and if we think about the truth as not being this absolute place, but a, an ever-evolving exploration, because it has many pieces 
to you as you evolve, as you grow, as you mature. And so when you're younger, it's easier to follow your truth because you have not really matured into your whole self. And so maybe your truth is being that athlete or being whatever that thing is that you're doing that really wakes you up every day and you're excited about. And then as you mature, the, the girth and burden of maturity comes on. Maybe you have somebody you love too. And in order to nurture that love, you can't always go to band practice or whatever it is that drives you. Though you enjoy that, you also understand that you enjoy that other thing quite a bit and these responsibilities or connections are growing. So the truth isn't like all of a sudden you just throw away all your world responsibilities and, and, and join a, a rock band. The truth of yourself is, it's a smaller quantum of your character. So in sharing my direct experience, a lot of my truth was born out of the observations of the circumstances of the people around me and the people that I love. I witnessed a lot of struggle, a lot of suffering, and a reasonable amount of joy. And I always felt that and was taught that and believed that, so I had that trifecta kind of like, that duty was very important and standing up for what was right as far as the human condition was an important piece of your life. So everything I did had something to do with advancing the idea of freedom and freedom with responsibilities. Not just free to feel like you want to do, do what you want to do, but having a place, a space, and a moment to let your humanity be expressed, your place in the sun, as Malcolm X would say. And so a lot of that affected everything that I did. So I always believed in getting up and working every day, showing up, paying your dues. I also believed in doing that, that not to tread on other people. This idea of individual liberty it was very deeply ingrained in me. So my truth was always based on something like that. The idea of level playing field. Put in what you put in, get out what you put in. Give it your best. And offering aid and comfort to those that maybe were weaker or lesser. So it wasn't, I didn't start out like this kind of idea of the hero sacrifice, Joan of Arc suffering. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was um, little things that were instilled in me that shaped my truth. Everybody has different stuff. Everybody has different things. I remember as a child, I've shared a story um, my, my buddy and I were out uh, playing near the uh, near the factories where I grew up, and there were train tracks. And some kids, some wealthy kids from who lived in the hills. I grew up in Berkeley, California. I grew up in a place called the Front. That's right near the water. So the ghettos of Berkeley were called the Front, right 
below San Pablo Avenue and you're very close to the water and the factories. And we were playing down there and doing whatever kids do, robbing trains, whatever, not like they do now, but we would just soundlessly climb the train and steal a block of cheese or whatever was in there. Some of the rich kids that came down, they were taping puppies to the train tracks and watching the puppies get run over. And my buddy and I, we got it close. We saw what they were doing. We beat them up and rescued a couple of the puppies. We went to the local pound, took one of them, I kept one. And why did we do that? Why did I do that? Well, because of this idea of being the vanguard of liberty was instilled in my family, that was wrong to me, to take puppies to a train track and for the joy of their suffering, engage in that behavior. I, des I believe those kids deserve the beating that we gave them and the puppies deserve the relief. Not everybody thinks that way. And I tell this story because everybody has things ingrained in them at an early age that help them define their truth. I'm not some big uh, animal rights person or member of PETA or anything now. I just felt that some wrong like that needed, there needed to be an action taken. And not by the authorities, not by going to the authorities or, or, or someone in a position that could do something. I did it. So if you look at my life then and you look at all the things I've done in my life then, it follows a similar trend. When a friend was dying or in need of comfort, I was there. Not because I needed to be acknowledged, but in my soul, that was my truth. Like your, your spoken word is your truth. And it took me certain places, certain journeys. I met a lot of people. I did different things that the story is always the same. I played a story for peace about a man in an organization who met me when I was in the service. It was the mm -hmm. same story. Yeah. I gave him a sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. he, he still, yeah. I beat him up and I gave him a sandwich, yes. right? Yeah. The story is always the same. So I was always given the input that being true to yourself was important. Why is it important? Because it uncongests the psyche and the consciousness. For people who didn't get that message, it still holds true. Mm -hmm. That being true to yourself is important. Even if that wasn't what you were told, even if you didn't have the clarity of that understanding, eventually all of us will either embrace it or struggle with it. Live a lie or live a truth. Living a lie is easy because other people tell you what it is. The lie can be told by me, this is how you should be, this is how you behave, this is way you should dress, this is what success is, this is what failure is. Other people will tell you that. See, what makes the difference between living the truth and living a lie is the truth comes from the soul of you. Yes. It comes from deep in you. You ever been in a crowd of people doing something and you just said, I'm not going to do that? Yes. The, 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 the weight of the crowd is so strong. Then you hear people later confess, yeah, you know, I was 
I, I didn't think it was right, but I got caught up in the crowd. It just felt so good. I was caught up in the crowd. Next thing you know, I'm involved in mob violence. Where, oh, please forgive me. But there's always somebody that says, you know, this isn't for me. I, I, I can't do this. I read a story about uh, some witnesses to a lynching. That hundreds of people were watching a lynching. And one or two of the people said, I can't be a part of this. And they lost everything their homes, their community connections, their job. But years later, they said, but I could, I could sleep. I was okay. I didn't participate in that. Mm. Living the truth requires a certain character, but it's always there. That's the thing. Living the lie requires the opposite of that, the suppression of the energy. Right. And what I found is nobody really feels that great at the end of the day when they live the lie. You ever notice that piece? They do well, but it's never good enough. No. It's never, they're never happy with the Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. It's always got to do something else. Right. right? They're never happy with that one thing they achieve from living the lie, and it's got to be this other thing. To but that person that lives the truth, the rewards are simple. They're satisfying, they're fulfilling. As we move into this, let us kind of peel back the layers. And, and how does, I would really say to everybody, how do you find your truth? And even when you think you found it, it isn't a stagnant thing because you're not stagnant. Life is ever unfolding. You're growing. And it's not about one accomplishment after another, one new thing after another, one status pursuit after another status pursuit, one milestone after milestone, there's a thing that, you know, I can live with myself. And I share that with you because I've done that life and I've taken the gifts and the liabilities together. I take them all. And in those quiet moments, I sit back and that's something that I never had regret for. And not from the ego point of view, I don't regret or they're just stubborn, dogmatic, I don't regret. I looked at this young man the day that I sat with his family during a tragedy and he came and sought me out. There's something different. There's something so unbelievable, cool inside of me that I feel. Having been a part of something good. And I just did it because I couldn't be anywhere else. You know what I'm saying, Peace? Yes. Chime yes. in. Completely uh, understandable. You speaking about that today, about um, certain things that we may purchase for that fulfillment, like use it for what it's for. Mm -hmm. And we begin to uh, want more because we feel like, you know, if you buy that house you were speaking about, and it's like that house back in the day, the older, the, our elders or the older generation would buy a house, you got the house, you settle down, and you got to raise a family, you're good. But now it's like, no, that house is not good enough for us. So let me grab something else. Let me get something else that's supposed to help us feel good. When again, we're, social media has played a part of that in a major level. And I think that's too why we feel that we want more when we actually really don't need more. You know, we need just what we actually need. Now, we want more, but we don't need it. You know, we, 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 we take the time and we 
Um, something that I'm personally working on is decompressing where I'm able to appreciate what I actually have and be thankful for what I have currently, be grateful for it. I remember uh, raising with our grandmothers and so forth and uh, my mother didn't have me do it as much as our father, but it was like praying for your food. Well, we really, because I'm not a religious person, I didn't understand at that time what that really meant. And, and, and now that I am here now, I understand that the food that's going in your body and the things that we have and the opportunities that we have that others may not have, we have to be thankful for that, right? We have been completely spoiled at a certain level, being raised in certain neighborhoods and certain areas and still not um, able to uh, appreciate and be able to give back those opportunities. So at this, at this moment, where we are now or where I am in my life is to continue to just be thankful for every day and take it one step at a time. And I have more short-term goals than long-term goals. Short-term. Mm. And that's the journey to understand the truth of the self. I love what you said, Peace, because as I'm thinking about this, you guys, I think about so many people that, as we've spoken before, Vin, about the endless pursuit of the endless pursuit. You're chasing a lie. It has no foundation. It has no end. It just has almost like a, a trap door you go into and you can't get out. And then we develop all sorts of other supporting lies and rituals around that. Let us think about what it means to be home. Is home a certain type of domicile? Is home a certain type of shelter or domicile? Or is home where you find a place that you no longer have to guard yourself from the world? What's in your home? Is it the latest gadget, the latest furniture? Does it need to be remodeled? Do you need to get a bigger place? Do you need to flip that house? Or is home when you get there and there are people waiting for you there that look forward to completing their day knowing that you're safe and warm? When you understand the truth of self, home is where your heart resides. It isn't the size of the home. It isn't the stuff in the home. It isn't the things that you show the neighbors. How about friends and family? Friends and family. Who are your friends and family when you know the truth of yourself? Is that lots of people? Every weekend you're surrounded by lots of people? Like the throngs of people at a concert watching the Jumbotron can't understand things? Or is it just that nice time you hang out with each other. Knowing right then, right now, we're alive and we're sharing life together right now. That to me is one of the nicest things in the world is to be with friends and family. Wherever we're at, in a 
small restaurants. Peace and I went over to the toy store and got something for the kids and then went to the veggie grill. I don't need more than that because I know the truth of me. That was a good day. Yes, thank you. I got to share time with this, these inspiring young people, spit out old man stuff, take in young people stuff. But there are people that are in this endless pursuit of stimulation, excitement, exhilaration, acknowledgement, validation, the emptiness of that. When we find the truth of self, we can sit with it. We can bathe in it. We can savor it. The truth of self. When you do what you do because it feels good to you, whether the world applauds you, ignores you, boos you, gives you good reviews, one star, gives you five star, doesn't really matter. Because the world isn't defining you. The world isn't living for you. So you take it all the same. You take it all the same. It's important for us to know the truth of the self by knowing what the truth isn't. Yeah, and when you're breaking down that, it's the difference between being lost and found. See? Yeah. That's deep. Continue to be on a pursuit, and you continue to be on that pursuit. And you think that through that journey, it's going to be another pursuit, and another pursuit. The endless pursuit of the endless pursuit. Yeah. You don't want to be there. No. Yeah. You know, and I think I, I, I tell myself that I'm glad that that I caught it. I got it, caught it before it got out of control because I used to drink a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to drink from 9 a.m. in the morning to nightfall. When you explained that story about your brother, like those were possibilities, guaranteed. Guaranteed mm-hmm. to not be hurt someone. You know, when people will say, you're drinking too much. You're drinking too much. They're like, you're an alcoholic. And I used to always say no. The point about being a functional alcoholic. I would go to work every day, you know. So through time, it was like, what is not needed? Poison, liquor. Don't don't like the taste of it. And then I think it was another. Well, no, I believe I know it was that situation where it's like, I don't want to feel like this. Every morning, getting up, feeling mm-hmm. like this. So then you get sick and tired of it mm-hmm. because that pursuit of feeling good was temporary. And, and, and again, it's an endless pursuit. Yes. Because if you don't feel good, resolve that. Yes. You, so to anesthesia yourself, to drown, drown your sorrow, drown your misery, you're not drowning anything. Why are you miserable? Right? Just being able to work with that. And sometimes it, misery, depression, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes we need to feel low so that we can understand what feeling low is not. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to come from an outside source. Other people aren't there to make you happy. You know True. what I mean? True. And yeah. so those are one of the challenges we have in that area of, of the living this untruth. 
is that you you find yourself looking everywhere but inside for remedy. Yes. For some, it's drugs of different kinds, different compulsions, addictions. And I think one of the worst is looking to others to validate you. It's true. That is what I observe as one of the biggest poisons, more so than alcohol or drugs, is that you look for others to validate you. And with our uh, current technology, you can get lost in the hole of social media. And they said that getting likes on social media creates this kind of rush for people. Yes. Or having followers disconnected, disjointed, disembodied likes and checks on the computer are now driving your behavior. To want to be validated. Empty. Yes. The lie. Yes. Completely. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, you guys are bringing up some really interesting points because uh, as we're talking about what is truth, the first step in this process is figuring out what truth is, what your truth is. And what I'm hearing is we can start by looking for things that it is not. So it is not a state where we need just a little bit more. If we're in that endless pursuit of the endless pursuit, if we feel like happiness and success are always just around the corner we just need the next whatever, that's a sign that we're not living our truth. If we're looking for something external to solve the problem, uh, I just need more, more friends, I just need more drugs, I, I need the world to arrange itself in a way that recognizes my talent, I just need people to behave in a way that doesn't infuriate me, uh, that's a sign that we are not living our truth. And then if we take that a level deeper and ask uh, what truth is, is so what what are the positive aspects of truth it's that that state where we just have some satisfaction in what we're doing and it's not an empty state which also at least for me in my life that's been a bit of a an area of confusion i don't know if other people have felt the same thing my background has been one of hinduism a lot of eastern philosophy and I think there's this false ideal that people pick up sometimes, myself included, that truth is just being in the state of blissful meditation all the time uh, with a big smile, being totally untouched by life, doing nothing but just being one with the universe, which is also false. And if you go to the uh, Bhagavad Gita, for instance, and you look at that conversation that Krishna was having with Arjun, he mentions how the nature of man is relentless activity. So there's always some activity. There's always some movement. There's always some progression. It's really just a question of what are you focusing on and where are you turning your attention? So are you turning it to areas that is going that are going to bring that quiet satisfaction? Or are you turning it to areas that are dissipating you, draining you? Are you chasing things that are never going to be enough? Uh, so I kind of think of it as we're talking to you, it's almost a state of dynamic stillness. It's stillness in that we're content and we're quiet and we're at peace, but it's dynamic because there's still a movement. There's still things that we're doing. There's still things that we're achieving. We've talked in the past about doing your duty. And we're making sure that we're showing up, as you put it. We're doing the work. We're impacting the world, hopefully to some benefit in whatever way that that we think is appropriate based on our interests, based on our talents, and then when we get to the end of the day, it's a feeling of 
blissful exhaustion. So we've done what we need to do. We've done our part, and now we can rest and start again, and the cycle continues. And hopefully in that cycle, there is some progress. There is some evolution. We're building skills. We're elevating consciousness. We're moving to higher and higher higher stages. But it's almost an intrinsic progression. So it comes from within. It's a it's a motive force. The force that moves us is something from within us. It's like a plant that's growing, which just grows from its own volition. And that's what's taking us forward. It's not this chase for something else that's going to extricate us from our situation and put us in a place where everyone is celebrating who we are. Everyone's validating us. We're getting these fancy titles. We're getting the money. That may come. That's a side effect, but that's not the driver. That's not the motivating factor. And one more thing, Z, I'll just add, because as you were talking, you know, you mentioned the likes on social media. What I find interesting, maybe you can comment on this, whether it's the likes on social media, whether it's the money, whether it's the title, whether it's the number of academic papers that you've produced, whether it's the number of sexual partners you've had, whatever the hell it is, it feels like we as human beings need some quantifiable metric to hold on to. And maybe that's also part of what takes us away from our truth. Because truth, in a sense, it's not quantifiable. It's not something that you can easily pin down. It's what resonates with us, what motivates us, what stirs passion. It's not a formula that we can write down on paper. But we have this tendency, and I don't know how much comes from our culture versus how much is just innate in the way that we're wired. But we have this tendency to look for markers and to say, okay, my definition of success is X. And if it's X, 2X is better than X and 3X is better than 2X. And I need to keep on getting more and more of this thing, whatever it is. And it almost doesn't matter. I mean, that's why your point about social media doesn't surprise me. You get likes from people who you don't know, who you have no connection to, who knows whether they're even functioning human beings. They might spend all of their time in isolation. There may not be a coherent thought going through their mind. It could just be robots that are validating you, that are giving you the likes on social media. Uh, but we get some high from that. Uh, it sounds insane, but it doesn't surprise me because I see it in so many other areas. I, I see it when people are managing money. You get some high when the market goes in your favor. Uh, or I see it, uh, again, in academia, the, the number of times that you're cited by your peers, uh, the, the number of awards that you've won. Whatever the metric is, it's almost like the metric doesn't matter. We have this tendency to grab on to some metrics and of course, that becomes detrimental because if that's our only standard, we need a metric that, again, is some kind of search for approval and validation. And that can lead us down a path that doesn't provide any inherent satisfaction. It's just giving us more of a certain measure that we've tied ourselves to. So speak to that for a second, Z. What is it? I mean, is this something innate in us? And how do we get beyond this, this, this tendency to constantly measure ourselves, which I think is an impediment to the truth because it blinds us to what we actually care about. Well, as we work on that, like I said, Vin, you start out right. This idea of what is the truth and what is the non-truth. And it is a pursuit. The truth isn't something you just find. So here it is. It, you're constantly exploring in your depth. And as you shed things, as you shed the debris and attachment of ego and all that, you start to see what that is. 
that is why whenever we read these great philosophies and we look at our heroes, that they had almost a level of renunciation of society, where they just didn't need the things that the average person needed. They didn't need more validation, more rewards, more uh, social uh, graces uh, hoisted upon them. They found that peace of self, right? I'm okay with me. I'm okay with me. And the closer we get to that, the more okay. That doesn't mean you're running around with a big grin on your face all the time or anything like that. It means that, you know what, I'm okay with me. I, I've arrived here. I'm okay with me. And I'm okay with you. And that is something that when we really go to that place, that it gives us a comfort that other things don't give us. You don't need more reinforcement of that. You won't need more validation of that. And it requires a lot of introspection because everything around us is telling us to look outside of ourselves to be okay with ourselves. That's why the big thing I'm, I, I say to people all the time is do you. Follow you. And not that you're not ever looking for understanding and guidance and direction or something like that. It's just that at some point, you realize that it's not far away. It's right inside. And then you see, too, with the wise and eye, that there is a lot of destruction uh, that goes along with externalizing yourself, your truth. If your truth comes from other people, it's no longer the truth. It's their hope or reality of you. Um, so much of our ego, so much of our emotions are tethered to the, this kind of the pull and draw of the ego. And it is so susceptible to outside forces. What do they think of me? Am I okay with others? It was, I saw, I saw a funny little meme on the internet where a guy was dressed up in a, a, a bizarre suit, a flamboyant suit, and he was smiling ear to ear. And he says, I, I just can't go home yet. Not enough people have seen me in this suit. Wow. <laughs> and so he couldn't go home because he always needed one more person to tell him how great his suit was. Wow. You know, it's sad, mm -hmm. but it's true. We're, we're kind of wired that way. And I want us to rewire ourselves for the sake of our own health and well-being our emotional health, our psychological health, our spiritual health. As we see the decline of mental health, we can see the decline of self-centeredness or self-possession. I own myself. I am responsible for myself. They didn't do it to me. Other people didn't make me, didn't define me. They may have helped shape me, but inevitably it's me. I remember my coach, may he rest in peace, the great Willie White, trained us so well. And one day he said to us when we were going against some great opponents, he said, I can give you everything but desire. They are no better and no worse than you are, your opponents. 
They have a lot of outside people cheering them. There's a lot of press reports that they're great runners or great athletes. But they have the same thing you have. And the definer of this event will be desire. And that's something I can't give you. You have to have that. And it liberated us so that we could get hungry and go after what we did. And we did. We were successful in that campaign. So for all of us, people can influence you. They can affect you. But they don't make you. And they... And if you give ownership of yourself away to others, then you'll always own you. They'll always own you. So let us take time and sit still with ourselves so we can see what is my truth? What moves me? What's important to me? Acknowledge for the sake of social grace and courtesy that there are people around, but inevitably at the end of your day, you have to live with you. And they have to live with themselves. And no matter what you do, up or down, does not have a lasting effect on their opinions of you. Mm -hmm. Take every great celebrity or person of, of, of social standing And as quickly as they rose to stardom or were deified, they were taken down the same way. It's the saddest thing. You remember when O.J. was the, like, the guy Mm -hmm. running through the airports trying to get a -a rent-a-car? And they would always ask people, how come you're not like O.J.? They would would often ask people, O.J. is the perfect type of person. Why aren't you like O.J.? Well, he fell from grace pretty damn quick. Silent. Those same people who were praising and using him as a kind of the the marker of greatness switched Mm -hmm. with no recountability. But he always stayed with himself. Whatever you think about the guy, he owned himself. Doesn't matter what we think of, really. And for everyone else. You take Mother Teresa. There's books that condemn Mother Teresa. I met her. She was mean. To me, because why why I say she mean? Well, she didn't stop to talk to me and hang out with me because she was too busy rescuing children. Mm -hmm. She didn't have time to pat me on the head. So I thought she was a mean lady. Imagine what Mother Teresa would do if she worried about what I thought about her. So all of us do ourselves a favor by exploring the truth of you. Do your spoken word. Do your writing then. Let that be a true companion to you and see where it takes you. See where that, see where that truth takes you. Explore it. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it's been interesting for me, Z, because in some ways... This process causes a little bit of angst, as we talked about. There's a sense that um, half in this, half out of it, I've got two parts of my life. Uh, I've got the corporate side where I'm putting on a suit and talking about finance. 
<laughs> I got the spoken word side where I'm putting on a mask and talking about social issues and the two are completely different. And it's like, why am I still in this old world? Why am I not moving to this new world? So there's a certain amount of angst to it. But at the same time, what's interesting when I look at it, it's actually come together very quickly. Number one, I started this a couple of years ago. And already uh, I've got the album, I've got the whole social media presence, uh, I've got a lot of people who are interested in the project, who are getting behind the project. The pace of evolution of myself is is pretty remarkable, if I have to step back and look at it objectively. So uh, there's, I guess, always a tension, and maybe that tension is what propels me forward. Uh, this tension of, uh, I need to do this faster, or I need to be all the way in. But just from an objective standpoint, it is progressing, and it's progressing quickly. Um, the other part of it, just getting back to my truth, I almost feel like maybe at times I've gone too far in the other direction, in the sense that I've had people, you included, who've observed some time, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you ever be in corporate America, you're not cut out for it. I've had friends say this. Uh, I've, a cousin of mine who I'm close to has made the same comment. Uh, just leave. And maybe I should. I, I don't know. And at times I've thought about it. But I guess where I'm coming around to is that this is part of my truth also, that this is part of the process. I mean, this thing is evolving, and there might come a time where I do step away and I do – take off the mask and I become this character that I'm animating. Uh, but that day isn't today. And it's almost like agonizing about this and, and worrying about it and thinking, okay, should I do this? Shouldn't do Should, should I not do it? What direction should I go? It was a total waste of time because it's almost like I'm on a, a boulder, which is rolling down a hill and that boulder is going to go down the hill at the pace that it's going to go down, regardless of whether I think about it or I plan it or I try and control it. It's going to go down and it's going to end up at the same place. And that's kind of where I'm coming out, that I do believe in the spoken word and I do believe that I have to be in it, immerse myself in it. It's taking more of my time and more of my attention. But there's also an aspect of it that's, independent of me. I mean, I'm, I'm a channel for it. I'm a steward of it, but it's got its, its own life and its life is developing. And it feels, again, if I step back and look at this objectively, it seems that it doesn't require conscious control, that it's growing at its own pace. It'll do what it does at the right times. And maybe my part is just to open myself to the possibility and to stop overanalyzing and to stop stop thinking, stop – I don't know if I can stop feeling certain ways and stop feeling conflicted, but at least recognize that that's also part of the process and, and just let it go. So that's where I am with my truth and my journey. I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm curious. Ben, I don't really think it's, it's a place where you have to have these absolute barriers. Um. Be true to yourself, and sometimes there are there's work you do. You got to walk the dog, but you also have to clean up the dog shit. You know what I mean? We got responsibilities in life, and they're ever evolving. 
and hopefully in, in this life where we'll find ourselves is we can really live a life that is true to yourself. I think it could be, it's beautiful, but it can also be looked at as a journey and a struggle to get there. It's part of the liberation of the consciousness. It's part of self-realization. It's part of self-ownership. And it isn't there just to, to fall into and fall out of. It requires struggle. It requires sacrifice. And all of those things are important. All of those. And so part of your toll in life, the duties in this life, is that you do what you need to do. You render unto Caesar that which is his and take the rest for yourself. And so sometimes the tax in life is we work towards our truth because we're discovering, we're opening it up. You know, I worked corporate. I did a lot of things. I, I, I did everything I was supposed to do by external standards. Then more importantly, internal standards, I did what I believed. And I've been okay with that. When I did what other people felt I should do, it brought them comfort and me a moment of maybe uh, praise. But inevitably, I found my own way. And it wasn't something that I just woke up one day and says, I'm going to just break the chains of corporate bondage. Hell, I had to make a promise to a dying teacher. And it was my inner truth that was so strong that it, I, I couldn't break that promise. So that's how I find myself doing what I believe. You follow? Yeah. Yeah, I do follow. And that's interesting, Z, because I, I never understood that sequence of events that the promise uh, was what, what shifted your trajectory. I, I know it led to the start of of Dharma and the Wellness Institute, but I didn't realize that that was the, the defining moment. Or it like did. I, I always had one foot in and one foot out. I always did because I would consider myself a practical person. I always considered myself very pragmatic, right? As I said, renders to Caesar that which is his, pay your tax, but keep the rest for yourself. And then I made a promise. And into fulfilling that promise, I had both feet in, and here we are. Yeah, it's good to hear that because it kind of uh, affirms what I've been thinking is we've been flushing out this conversation both in the podcast and before when we were talking that I'm really in a good place. And maybe my main challenge is not thinking about it so much. You know, it's almost like we're just so used to analyzing and so used to weighing options and so used to creating decision trees when the decision, in a sense, is already made or it automatically evolves, that there's no extra work that we need to do. Um, so maybe the best thing for me is just to sit back and enjoy it, you know, as we've talked about. Yeah, let it grow. We let it grow. We let it evolve. And as long as you, every moment you do it, you're true to yourself. That's why you're so good, because I really do believe that people have a, the, the, the cord of divinity attached to them when they follow their truth. And it's beyond the average person's even experience because the average one of us, if the average one of us, we're scared. We want it all to work out without any risk, without any challenge, right? I was raised with a quote from George Jackson. 
about integrity and being true to yourself, the great political prisoner. And he said, if I leave here alive, I'll leave nothing behind. They'll never count me amongst the broken men. But I can't say that I'm normal either. I've been hungry too long. I've been angry too often. I've been lied to and insulted too many times. They've pushed me over the line from which there can be no retreat. I know that they will not be satisfied until they have pushed me out of existence altogether. I've been a victim of too many racist attacks that I could never relax again. That was a great political prisoner, and he kept the truth. He fought for what he believed and for other people's idea of human rights. And that was part of one of his letters I read as a child. And that's one thing, those things shaped me. I never want to be counted amongst the broken men. And then when you're true to yourself in peace, when you're true to yourself, you're going to go the way that others do, but you won't be counted amongst the broken. You will not be counted amongst the broken. And if that gives you something in your heart that gives you peace and joy and contentment, then yeah. So I want to be like that. You follow me, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, I follow you absolutely. And in that's what sense. you do. When you do your spoken word, when you do your thing, you are unbroken. Yes. You are apujitu, the unvanquished, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And and you're liberated. I mean, in some sense, there's no other way to be because anything contrary to that just requires so much energy. It's either energy to suppress what's innate or it's energy to convince yourself that what you care about isn't what you should care about. Or you're taking that energy and that fire inside and you're dissipating it because it becomes too much to bear. So you squander it and you spend all your time online or you, you get into the drugs and the partying. It, and I guess you do become broken if you go that route. But, but you're right. Even if you maintain a tenuous grip, I guess even if the truth isn't absolutely clear, we're not talking about absolute standards. We're not talking about something that has to be spelled out in graphic detail. But even if you have a glimmer of it, some idea of what that is, and you maintain some link to it, if I look at my experience, it it grows. It kind of pulls you up. The, the The strength of that truth pulls you out from where you are and starts to set you down the right path. And doesn't it feel good to be unbroken? Yes. Isn't that yes. something? That just that tiny quantum of life, you still have it. All right, Vin? All right. Good discussion. Uh, good talking to everyone. So Thank go out you. there and, 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 and explore your truth. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.